Hello there, friend. Welcome back to the Cash Confidence Stylist Podcast. So before we get into this episode, I got a question for you. How often do you ask yourself, where the hell is my money going? Okay, look, a lot of us, that runs in a constant loop in our mind. And it's time to take your first step towards financial empowerment. So I wanted to give you a free resource that is going to help you do just that. I wanna give you Assess Your Situation, which is the first module in my course, as well as your guide to figuring out where the fuck your money is actually going. Sorry if you have kids in the car. So this is gonna be a free guide that I've created to help you break the loops, providing you with tools to assess your current financial situation. You don't even have to break out the calculator and to help you gain awareness about what you actually need to start making those money moves where it truly matters. So go ahead and scroll all the way down to the bottom of the show notes and snag it. The link is down there um, and enjoy this episode. Let me know how assessing your situation goes. Thanks friends. This is Misty Jane, and you're listening to Backroom Beauty Talks, a real, raw, and unedited podcast that helps uplift the hair industry one stylist at a time. Hey there, friends. This episode is awesome. So I am chatting with my friend Haley. She's also known as the Resilient Hairdresser on Instagram. She is located in Manchester, England. So I met her because I am in a coaching program, Education Foundations with Elizabeth Fay, and she is also in this program. So this is our first conversation one-on-one, and it is gold. Haley has a pretty amazing story. She went from being a hairdresser for 30 years to moving into therapy and stopping doing hair completely to going back to doing hair. Now her goal is to empower hairdressers to avoid burnout and really just like thrive and uplift the industry. I love this conversation so much. I think you'll get so much out of it. Um, And her accent is just the cutest. So enjoy. Hi, Haley, all the way from Manchester, England. (laughs) How are you (laughs) today? I'm good, thanks. I'm good. So I'm super excited to chat with you because you and I have chatted small periods in a group Zoom setting, Mm -hmm. Um, and this is our first time having a one-on-one conversation. I love your story, and I want to know more. So will you tell me about how you worked behind the chair, stopped Mm -hmm. working behind the chair, did a little something else and then started working behind the chair again. Okay, so I'll, I'll give you the long version then today. So originally, I I started hairdressing when I was 17, which is a little late. You know, most people are like 15, 16, because I went to college for a little bit and then dropped out. So I did media studies, we call it over here. All right, I was going to um, say, wait, a little late. That I don't even think you're, are you allowed to do that in the United States? I don't know. I don't know. Well, normally when people do hairdressing here they tend to do it straight leaving school you know and they're like 16 okay that's when you can leave school here oh and see that's here it's like go, 17 18 mm-hmm. okay continue so you do your exams here when you're 16 so i did my exams and then i went to college uh, and was studying media studies so i wanted to do sound recording and all this stuff and then it just wasn't really for me. And then around this time, I was having my hair done in a cool salon, having hair extensions and all the stuff. So I dropped out of college and went to work for these hairdressers and was having a fabulous time. And so that's how I fell into hairdressing. I just wanted to hang out with the cool kids. You know, <laughs> I didn't, I, and I didn't want to be at college anymore. It wasn't really for me. So I fell into hairdressing at 17, which is late here. 
Uh, and then I kind of got through my training quite quick because I was older than everyone at college. So I was just like, let's get this shit done. I'm, you know, I don't want to be in school. And so I worked in quite a posh salon that was very classic. And I worked there for a few years and that was okay. And then Tony and Guy came to town. Uh, so ah. this is, mm-hmm. so this was like <laughs> mid nineties by now, 95. And Tony and Guy was just the coolest thing ever at that time in the mid nineties, you know? So I went to work for them and I worked for them for 10 years and I educated for them and stuff. And I'm a color technician. I specialize. I can't do a haircut at all. Um, I can barely blow the dry and <laughs> I'm a proper technician. I'm like, I can do a rubbish blow dry. That's your lot. Um, and so I worked for Tony and Guy for years and it was a great company to work for when I worked for them. You know, they were throwing money at us to train and I really did well out of them. You know, they spent a lot of money on training me and really looked after us. Uh, and it was a good time to work there. And then I went to work in an independent salon that my friend opened and I worked, so I was at Tony and Guy for 10 years and then I worked for my friend for 10 years and it was a cool little salon in Manchester in the cool area. You know, it was great and he runs a great salon and it was, it was good. But by this time I'm about 35 and I was very busy and popular as a stylist and earning good money, but I didn't really know how to look after myself. And, you know, I was doing a lot of clients, you know, I had a difficult clientele, I'll be honest. Uh, I hope this this might not play in England. (laughs) I hope none of them hear that. I had a difficult clientele, I'll be honest. Uh, Women with very, very high expectations. Um, You know, it was difficult. You know, the sort of clients that are very difficult to please, kind of never happy. But they'll drain your energy yeah yeah they're never happy but never leave um and so you know I had a lot of I had some lovely clients but I had some very difficult clients and I was also quite depressed around this time I'd been plagued with depression on and off I would say since I was 14 uh, and it was kind of raging around this time and I would say to simplify I was burnt out yeah I was too busy didn't know how to look after myself I didn't I wasn't taking breaks I wasn't offered breaks I was working hard we were doing photo shoots on our day off you know all the stuff that comes uh with busy hairdressing and I was just sick of it (laughs) just like I fucking hate this I don't want to do it anymore and I was quite miserable really all around Uh, and so I was having therapy at this time and when I'd been in therapy for a couple of years I got really interested in therapy beyond what it could do for me I was just fascinated by psychology in general um and I decided to become a therapist I was just like I want to do what you do to my therapist right. so she told me where she trained and I applied and usually you need like degrees and stuff but the guy said to me oh hairdressers make great therapists you can come so I didn't have the qualifications but apparently I had the life skills so he said I'll totally give you a go that's awesome so I, I know. So I went to therapy school, we'll call it part time. Um, and it took four years and I carried on working behind the chair. And I was a little happier behind the chair, to be honest, when I had an escape plan. You know, right. I could see it coming. So it was not too bad. And my depression was more manageable because I'd had some therapy and I got some skills. And, and, you know, to cut a long story short at this point, I quit hairdressing and I went to be a therapist and I worked as a therapist full time for five years. 
and I was just like out of there hairdressing is done I, that's in my past I will never do that again and I worked as a therapist and I specialized in teenagers by accident because a lot of therapists don't like talking to teenagers it turns out but I do why is that I used I don't know. I think therapists are a bit scared of teenagers. And also, I think a lot of them are parents and so find it difficult to talk to kids. Whereas, because I don't have kids, uh, I can, I suppose I come from more of like an auntie role or a right. big sister <laughs> or, you know, I don't have that maternal thing where I want to overlook after them. Right. Um, so basically, all the therapists I knew used to send their young clients to me because they didn't really want to talk to them so I became a specialist in teenagers totally by accident and I worked in a college you know like we call it a sixth form college so it's like mm -hmm. 16 to 19 and and that's what I did for years and I really liked it and I thought I would never do hairdressing again and over that period I got offered jobs all the time because <laughs> I'm a colorist we're kind of in short supply it seems you know and I was always getting offered jobs and I was like no 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 that's not what I do anymore and then after a few years, I sort of found that my mood was dropping again. And I started to worry about getting depressed. I wasn't depressed yet, but I could see the starts of it. And I started to realize that really the work was lonely. You know, just sort of seeing one person at a time all day, who's obviously pretty sad. And I didn't have colleagues and I live alone. So I was spending far too much time basically alone. Right. Um, and I didn't have any banter at work and no one to bounce off. And I noticed my mood was dropping uh, and I thought, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do about this really. Um, and then around this time I was offered a job in a salon and I said, I'll do you a day. That's your lot. I'll do a day. Um, and I thought that would be fun and it would balance it out. And it did. So I went back and eventually after about a year, I started to notice I was much happier on the hairdressing days. That's well, it was happier conversation, I'm sure. You got to be a therapist in a different way with a different kind energy. Of, yeah. yeah, but I also, because I wasn't there all the time, I think I got eased back into it and I was just like, this is fun. And the clientele at this salon were lovely. Right. You know, women with reasonable expectations. You know, they were just nice, normal women who were happy and they just wanted a nice hairdo and then they moved on you know they didn't spend their every moment thinking about how they look so they were a much easier clientele to manage and I was enjoying myself uh, and then I just I just made the leap basically back into hairdressing you know I made a decision one day that I was much happier on the days I woke up and I was hairdressing so I went they the salon were desperate for me to go full-time and so eventually I realized if I didn't take that job, somebody else would. And I just thought, fuck it. And, and so I quit being a therapist and I went back to the salon and I didn't really think it would be forever. I just thought this is what I'm going to do for now until I figure out what I'm going to do next. But I liked it, you know, and I was back with my people and I was back in the crazy staff room where everybody swears all the time and <laughs> yeah. shouts and, you know, it's just themselves where I'd been working in a really like, terribly professional environment which right. is weird it's weird when you're a hairdresser you know everyone's so nice to each other all the time it's so confusing yeah <laughs> I'm, just used to, I'm just used to you know the staff room in hairdressers are wild right I think they are here <laughs> like over there but staff rooms are wild they're like a big dysfunctional family and I sort of realized I'd missed that 
you know, and the craziness and the honesty and the stuff that goes with the creative industries, really. Right. So I was happier um, for a while. <laughs> <laughs> How many years have you been back behind the chair now? Uh, about mm, three or four. Okay. Okay. I think that's about right. And then you started feeling right. like you're missing something else. Well, I suppose what kind of happened was, you know, again, once the novelty wore off, I was a bit bored. I think yeah. bored would be the best way to describe it. I missed using my brain um, for the psychology stuff. Like, I love that stuff. Uh, but I was enjoying the lightness of the work of hairdressing, you know. Um, and then I was starting to realize I have back problems, you know. I've got the classic bad hairdresser back. I was going to say, um, which hairstylist doesn't? If you don't yet, it's coming. (laughs) Yeah, you know, I'm 45. My back is pretty bad and it's caused me some problems. And what I started to think about was how long can I actually stand behind the chair for realistically making money, you know, because I've already shortened my hours a little bit to compensate for my rubbish back. And I just thought, I'm not going to be doing this when I'm 60. Like I just, I think physically it's, I'm going to have to stop. And so I was starting to think about what I was going to do long-term and I was having a conversation with one of my oldest clients this day. Honestly, I've been doing her hair for about 25 years and she's a business coach and I was chatting with her about this and she said, you've got to think about what's special about you, Haley. And I was like, okay, all right, I'll think about that. And I thought, oh, well, I'm a hairdresser and a therapist. That's a random combo. You is know, it though? I feel like it's a perfect combo if you think about it. <laughs> like I feel like it you is. can charge top dollar just because, you know? <laughs> Maybe so. But it's hard to do them both at the same time, you know? Oh, I believe it, yeah. Well, you know, I mean, hairdressing's a hard job. People think it's easy, but it's hard. You're it thinking is. about a lot. You know, mm-hmm. you've got your eye all over the salon, making sure your juniors are doing what you think, talking keeping your eye on people. It's hard and people think it's easy, but we make it look easy. Right. You know, but having a deep conversation on top of that, I think it's really hard, you know? Yeah. So I like keeping it light these days. Actually, it's one of the things I learned to look after myself was to have lighter conversations behind the chair because it drains my energy less. I think it's good for, for the client as well. I mean, especially in the climate right now, you know, I mean, I, I have, and don't get me wrong. I get, I get personal with my, a lot of my clients have been with me for over 10 years. So, mm-hmm. I mean, they know a lot about my life, but I also make sure, I think I forget somebody I heard say one time that it should be 80, 20, like 80% them talking, 20% you talking. Mm-hmm. And I really try and stick with that. So even if they ask yeah. me a question about my life, I'll answer, but I'll like quickly turn it around kind of to them. Yeah. Cause what I don't want, you? yeah, like I don't, they're not paying me to vent to them. That's what mm-hmm. my therapist is for. <laughs> like, yeah. And it's funny in therapy, they say if you're talking more than 50%, it's not therapy. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So that's the other one. Yeah. But, um, so where am I up to? So you were talking yeah, to so your this, client that was a business coach. My business she, coach. Uh, yeah, she, she was like, what's fired you. you? Yeah, she just was like, you've got to have a thing. Because I said, I need a passive income. I need to think what I'm going to do. And she was like, well, decide where your skills are first. And I was like, and, you know, I was floating hair education and all that. But I don't really want to do it. You know, I've done it before and I wasn't passionate about that. Well, what and did I you do passionate. before? Did you do like hair, like, like technique, technical education? 
Yeah, yeah. I okay. taught hair colouring for Tony and Guy. So I taught um, from the assistants up to advanced colour in the academies, you know. Right. So I, I taught all sorts of um, different colouring skills for Tony and Guy back in the day. Okay. Um, and so I'd done that and, and I didn't... Hair education has really changed since I was doing it and I wasn't up for the job, you know. I, I, there's amazing educators out there now teaching colour and I just... I didn't want to do that. You know, I could see it wasn't really for me. Uh, and I'd spent so much money on learning to be a therapist as well. <laughs> <laughs> just thousands. Um, and I did want, so I was just trying to think. Anyway, I realized it was an interesting combination. And I thought, what can I do with that? And then I was talking about how I didn't find hairdressing stressful anymore. And I used to find it incredibly stressful to the point that I quit. And I was reflecting on why that was, you know, and I realized that a lot of the things I learned as a therapist were serving me very well as a, as a hairdresser. And then I started to think about, so when I was at therapy school, you had to do a presentation at the end of every year, which was terrifying to me. And they started out as 10 minutes and they ended up at like an hour. Mm -hmm. uh, and you had to sort of explain a theory to the other students. That was it. Uh, and so what I used to do was explain them through the eyes of hairdressing. So I used to be like, imagine you're in a salon. I'm going to show you how this theory plays out between clients and staff or how it plays out in a staff room or, you know, and I used to explain it through the lens of hairdressing. And it was always funny, uh, sometimes accidentally funny, <laughs> but everyone used to always laugh. And people used to say, I never realized what it was like for hairdressers. Yeah. And I used to think this was so interesting. And then, and I just started to remember that the guy that taught me to be a therapist used to say to me, Hayley, you should teach this. And I was just like, whatever. And, and, and I was so underconfident, I think, in my academic skills at the time that I brushed it off. You know, I was obsessed with the fact that I didn't have a degree and everyone else there had a degree. And, you know, I had that thing about me where I thought I only, did I really belong there? The and imposter so syndrome. Off, all of that you know yeah. and I think a lot of hairdressers have that around academics mm -hmm. you know because many of us are not that academic and yeah I started to remember that people used to say you're so good at this stuff you should do it and I was like hmm maybe I should <laughs> and so we and so I started to think about how I could educate hairdressers and I basically took those little presentations and I developed them like those exact ideas that I did for my exams are exactly what I teach in salons now. Just bigger, well-developed versions. <laughs> right. Well, ones that hairstylists will understand, not necessarily. Because you're essentially talking to clients at these exams, correct? Not your yeah. clients, but clients. Yeah, of like salon. other students. So other, right. student, other therapy students who did all sorts of jobs, you know, social workers, postmen, they were everything. Right. Uh, and, and, but I opened their eyes to the hairdressing experience. And that's what I'm obsessed with is the hairdresser's experience because I think all we're taught about is the client experience yeah. and we're really looked over uh, and I want to really draw attention to the hairdresser's experience. I want to draw it to the attention of the hairdresser, but I would like to also draw it to the attention of clients. Right. I'm not really doing that yet, but I sort of hope that this sort of work will draw attention that, you know, your hairdresser is a human. So <laughs> you know, you, she is so here to serve. But this sort of work. So, what are you doing now, currently? 
Ah, Tell the so, audience. <laughs> well, the first thing I did when I wanted to start, so I set up a business called The Resilient Hairdresser. Mm -hmm. Love uh, the name, by the way. Thank you. Um, and so resilience is what I think we need. You know, I think resilience is the goal here, which is just coping strategies, you know, having lots of stuff in your toolkit to survive. Um, so that's how what that's all about. And I basically only want to talk to hairdressers because that's what I know about. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then, so I decided I didn't have any money. So I wanted to do an online course, but I didn't have any money to do that. And I thought, what can I do now? So I started, I wrote my course out and I do it all on paper because I'm old school. I got a flip chart and I started teaching in salons. I literally got in my car and it cost me nothing. Right. And that's how I started because you've got to start where you are. Because what I thought was if I get tied up with this online course, I'm never going to do anything right? because I don't know how to do it. Um, and I haven't got enough money to start it, you know? So I just thought, do what you can do and I can do this. And then I developed it into, I got a PowerPoint, I got fancy, you know, and it's, and it's got more refined. So I start, so what I still do is I teach a couple of workshops, which is, well-being for hairdressers it's coping strategies so the first workshop is all about how to manage your mood how to get resource so that you can cope with the difficulties of life and the ups and downs of hairdressing and the second workshop in a nutshell is how to deal with difficult clients yeah that's that's essentially what that is so i do that uh, and that's i've been doing that for about a year maybe right. a bit maybe 18 months actually about 18 months uh and that's going well and it's just taking off again now because we just you know um lockdown is kind of over over here i'm allowed to work again and I, i've just started doing a couple and it's like everyone's going oh my god brilliant you're doing them again and it's it's getting busy which is brilliant because i was nervous about that after lockdown well let's um, talk about the difficult client thing for a second because i think okay. that I think that right now, especially you have, you know, you we've all had the difficult clients, but right now, mm -hmm. even, even some of the clients that aren't normally difficult clients are kind of becoming difficult clients because of mm. the nature of the world with politics mm. and all, you know, all the things, the conversation yeah. is, is getting yeah. different. What advice could you give to a stylist? Just kind of a generic advice um, on how to deal with it. Because I have a lot of people ask me, one of the biggest questions people ask me is about how to have hard conversations. Yeah. And I think with difficult clients, almost all the conversations are hard. <laughs> yes. From the minute you see the name in the book. Yes, the you start sweating. <laughs> Well, I think it's really different, actually, depending on how you work. When I was having a conversation with someone about this today, because I think if you're self-employed or like you guys call it like booth renters and stuff, mm -hmm. that's very different than if you're employed and like a commission stylist, because you can only degree, say so much. <laughs> you can, on the one hand, you can only say so much if you're employed, but also you might be able to get someone to do it for you. Oh, you that's know? a good point. Yes. You can get your boss to speak to the difficult people. You can get reception to be like the gatekeeper. So it swings and roundabouts as in, I think to some degree you have to tolerate a bit more. Well, you don't have to, but you tend to have to tolerate a little more bad behavior as an employed person. You don't have control over who sits in your seat. But if people get particularly bad, usually you can get the manager in. So I think 
so it's a different sort of problem but as a self-employed person it's all down to you you know you've got no receptionist who's the gatekeeper who can be like she's busy you know you've got to do it all yourself and I, I think it's so hard and I think it's harder if you've let people behave badly and then you're going to do an about term I think that's so much harder and starting out with good solid rules. I agree a hundred percent, a hundred percent. So I think you're going to have a lot more difficult conversations and lose a lot more clients when you get strict and start looking after yourself if you haven't done it before. Right. Yep. You know, when I was in a commission mm. salon, I, you know, we had rules within the salon. Um, but I always very much stuck to the policies. Like, and I would, I would tell that my client, like if they were, 15 minutes late, you know, I'm sorry, I cannot take you, even if I could take them because mm -hmm. it was almost like a lesson that they needed to yeah. learn so that when I went out on my own, hardly anyone was late. I mean, mm -hmm. people canceled on time, like, because I was so strict mm -hmm. in the commission salon myself, like personally, that they just knew how I worked. Yeah. And then once I was in a suite, all the people that were pretty... I just couldn't make them happy. It, it I've broken up with three clients in my entire career and it was all because mm -hmm. no matter what I would do, they wouldn't be happy. Um, yeah. That's like the clientele I was talking about. Yes. At the beginning. Yes. Cause it's something within themselves. And two of them actually yes. said that when I broke up with them. Um, but it was almost easier to do the breakups. I was in a suite by myself. Mm -hmm. it, it was harder, but easier if that makes sense. It swings roundabouts isn't it mister you know yeah there's different problems depending yes. if you're employed or self-employed well it's harder and to do it in hard. front of a salon you know like yeah. like you don't want the the stylist next to you's client watch you break up with mm -hmm. a, with somebody Just you know but in there. a suite it's harder because it's you and this person and they can kind of say whatever they want yeah. you know so it's this weird like but then God, when they walk out for the last time, you are like, yes, yes. <laughs> doing the happy dance. That exactly. shit is over. Exactly. Yeah, it's amazing. And you've got to rip it off like a plaster, haven't you? You know, you just got to do it. Yeah. Um, but I think my advice is, is to decide your policies and then stick to them. And I think it's like training toddlers. You know, you've got to be consistent. Agreed. People like to know where the boundaries are. Yes. You know, they do. It makes people actually quite nervous when they don't know where the boundaries are. So it will, it will piss a couple of people off if you're quite strict, but the majority, but they're going to be annoying clients. I was going to say, they're going to leave you and you're going to be glad you don't want them in. Anyway. You're going to be like, bye. Yeah. Um, but I think most people just want to know what the rules are so they can just be like, okay, I'll work within them. Right. But like we're saying, if you've been someone who's been a bit wishy-washy, you are going to find it hard. Um, yes. You have to find what makes you happy and then you have to be strong. I don't know if strong enough is the right word, but you have to be um, ready to just tell people, you know, I'm, exactly all, I'm very this. big about transparency. Like it's like, this is yes. what I do. This is how I work. If you don't mm -hmm. like it, you do not, I can refer you to somebody else. You do not have to sit in my chair. Exactly that. I'm very big on making people be adults. Uh, and not overlooking after them. So I, in the second course I teach, it's all about inviting your clients to be adults because some of them want you to parent them. Yes. They want you to make their decisions. They want you to have the responsibility. And I want, I want an adult sat in my chair making grown-up decisions about what they want. 
and as an adult I will decide if it's possible you know but does that make sense yeah I, I think there's a fine control. line there's a fine line with that if you think about it though because you know somebody comes to you because you're the expert you know yeah. so now yeah. The hard one is the one that sits in your chair and shows you a blonde, brown, and, and red and says, I like all of these because I've had yeah. that happen to me before. Uh -huh. um, that's where it's like, okay, like here's the education behind it, but you have to choose. Like I can't choose that for you. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, I do think we have to kind of take control, you know, in general and say, um, you know, hey, we only got two hours today. You know, you're not going to yeah. be platinum blonde. This is your options. Mm -hmm. you know we can get you started but that's it the end yeah. not oh let's try and make her platinum in two hours and then you run an hour behind yeah challenge all your other clients. yeah exactly. i want you to think i'm amazing i'm gonna do it right yeah, awful well the reason my first workshop is the manage your mood one which is to learn how to look after yourself is you've got to be in a good place to be able to have the hard conversations. yes uh, and workshop two will teach you you've got to have some hard conversations but here's some good ways to have them yes here's some ways to have empathy for people and why they're being as annoying as they're being right and then you sort of think oh they're not that bad they're just nervous or they're just this or they're just that and and it teaches you how which place to come from to encourage them yeah <laughs> to making because what i don't want to do is i don't mind advising but i don't want to make decisions for people right that's the difference i think you know yes. i'm not ultimately gonna pick i think you have to choose you don't go into a restaurant and ask the waiter to choose your food right you know right. you might ask which what he likes best but you still choose for yourself right like a grown-up so i want to encourage that but i think it's something to aim for and it doesn't always happen we do have to do some looking after but i think we don't want to get into making decisions for people because i don't think it pans out well for us in the end do you feel majority of hairstylists, especially when they first start out, are people pleasers? For sure. Yeah. For yeah. sure. And I think a lot of that's just like what we were doing and the impression of, I'll get it right for you. I'll show you how good I can be. I'll be the only hairdresser that's got it right. You know, and people right. say, no one's ever got my hair right. I used to think, I will. Yeah. And now I'm like, <laughs> I don't want you. <laughs> yeah. Right. I'm not interested in this clientele anymore. Whereas I used to just buzz off winning those people round. Right. Uh, and I thought that was my job was yeah. to win the difficult people round and to service everyone and do exactly what they want and squeeze them in. Oh, you only booked in for a half head, but you want a full head. No problem. I won't have a break. I'll leave late and all that. Well, then it, it leads the to disappointment with the client because you don't have enough time to do what they actually want, but you tell mm -hmm. them that you can. Yeah. You know? So then they leave disappointed, you know, and instead you of professional. Exactly. Instead of just saying, Hey, we only have time for this, but next time we can book for all this and you know, mm -hmm. this will get you, this will hold you over for the next eight weeks. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. I think but don't you think this isn't being taught like I wasn't taught that right ever it's not being I mean it's being you're seeing it more now you know I, I think well, independent media, educators yes, are teaching it exactly but, but I'm not, in wasn't, school no I didn't learn it in college I mean did you I didn't learn, learn it anywhere even go out on your own in no school? no no not at all <laughs> um. no not at all I was just, you know, I was taught to be skilled. Yes. That was it. 
That was well, literally I wonder, actually. <laughs> I wonder where that kind of where that comes from too. Like, I mean, hairdressing has been around for a very, very, very long time, mm-hmm. you know, and you think about the schools and you think about even education as far as products go. I mean, granted, they want to sell more of their products, but yeah. um, why isn't it talked about? Like, it's just this customer is always the right situation. Yeah. And it's just not how it works. The customer doesn't know science. The customer can't be right. <laughs> like, the customer you know? doesn't know it takes science to color their hair. Exactly. You know? I didn't realize it took science. You know, I didn't think that's what I was going to be learning when I got into this. Right. I didn't realize it was such a complex skill, I don't think. Right. Um, I just don't know. And, and culturally, it bothers me. Yes. Because I think that we're set up to fail in, in lots of ways. We're just taught to do a really good haircut, but we're not taught how to cope with people. Like, that is 50% of the job. Uh, and, and what we all learn is to what I call dance to perform and to develop we all develop this overly happy people pleasy thing and that's what seems to get you by in your 20s but by your 30s you're sick of it right it's exhausting whereas I think if you actually understood a little bit of basic psychology and understood how people worked you could do a lot less dancing yes and do the shortcuts to just solving problems you know, I'm, I'm very polite, you know, you know, when people say no is a full sentence. I really hate that. I think, no, thank you. Is yeah. a full sentence. You know, I'm just like, you can be very polite and provide an amazing service while respecting yourself and right. looking after yourself. And I think I wasn't taught that I learned the hard way. I think you learned the hard way. This oh is yeah, absolutely. I mean, lot. it took me four, I don't know. I mean, no, yeah, it took me 14 years because even though I, I kept boundaries in a commission salon, I still was burning myself out. Like I was, I've always been very good at making my clients feel comfortable. Um, I'm huge on consistency. I've been doing the exact same shampoo massage for, oh my God, probably 10 years. Like my <laughs> If you're listening, um, I only have two weeks left behind the chair where I'm, um, you know, walking away for a little while. I'm going to take a little break um, behind the chair. And I've had clients ask me who you're referring me to. Did they do this massage? And I'm like, no. They're living for it. Yeah. And it's like, I mean, I've messed people up. I do good hair, but I haven't always done good hair. But I've mm-hmm. still had people that have stayed with me for over 10 years. I would say 50 to 60% of my clients have been with me since longer than my husband and I have been together and we've been together like what <laughs> a long, a long time, long fucking time. Yeah. Um, and it really doesn't have to do with the color or the cut. It's, it has to do with how they feel when they walk in mm-hmm. and how they feel when they walk out. And if I'm not happy with myself or in my place, it's really hard to make other people happy. Of course. Yeah, of course. The only little bit of training I'm thinking about now that I was given was, I was told this, it's 50% skill and 50% personality. I think it's 80% personality. <laughs> and, and, you know, I really do. Yeah. Like, if you think about it, I mean, I don't know. Nobody wants I to- tolerate a lot, don't you? Like, you know, with like, the girl that does my nails and stuff, 
I tolerate a bit of a messy job sometimes because I like her. her. Yeah, I like her. She's nice. I can't be bothered finding a new person. Right. You know, it's. (laughs) I think people will tolerate a good enough job for someone they like. Right. But you know, hone your skills and get better. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Well, that that will be killing it. Well, then you can raise your prices, and the people will still want to stay. You know, I mean, I think that's where. Yeah, your clientele are probably making more money as the years go exactly. by. You know, they grow with you. If you're lucky, you will grow. Your clientele will move with you. Right. Um, yeah, so that's it. But I mean, back to your original question of what's the generic advice. It's very hard. I think yeah. it's really hard, isn't it? I think it all comes down to boundaries and self-care. I think everything does. Yeah. And I, I'm really passionate that hairdressers learn this in college my dream is that we start teaching this in college yeah you know I've been talking to a few uh college teachers over here and someone who's on like the board of hairdressing assistants in England and she's interested but you know COVID's messing it all up of course COVID's messing everything up <laughs> COVID's messing that up at the moment yeah. but my dream is that this becomes the norm it's alongside learning to court is learning to manage a column, right. learning some people skills, learning to manage people, learning to manage difficult people, how to manage your energy levels, you know, all those things that we learn the hard way. Wouldn't it be nice to learn them before you're 20? I think that just being a creative industry too, it's, you know, um, I mean, creatives are thought of as like eccentric and like, you know, like, mm-hmm. so the, I think people get into it sometimes. Well, I get to make my own schedule and I just get to play with hair and stuff. And you just, you forget that there's this service part of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, Mm -hmm. it's very rare. I feel like you really have to niche down to be able to have someone sit in your chair and you don't even have to talk to them. You can just do their hair. You know what I mean? And, and make a living off of it. I feel like it's more of a creative outlet um, in that sense. So I, I agree with you. I think that would be awesome. I think that teaching business and business comes with customer service boundaries, policies, all of that is so fucking important. But I was just going to say, like, money. I was just thinking what you do in teaching hairdressers to manage money. How valuable is that? Like, I learned the hard way as well. Right. You know, I right. got in debt. I got out of debt. That took a long time. I'm sick of learning things the hard way. Why can't someone just teach us? <laughs> That's you know? what we're here for. That's what we're going to do. <laughs> And I think there's a real generation of hairdressers that want things to be different. You know, there's quite a movement in England at the moment around raising the hair industry up. You know, there's been lots of talk about bullying as a culture within salons and people are unhappy. And I think, I think some of the things about hairdressing are old fashioned, Mm -hmm. you know, and it can be, it's thought of as quite a low skilled job. Right. Uh, and that really pisses me off because what you know when you're a hairdresser is it's really hard, but it can be thought of as a low skilled job over here. I think it um, still is here too. I think it's getting better. I think the younger generation, I'm going to call it the balayage generation. I feel like it's more understanding. <laughs> I'm the full head highlight generation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's okay. But you, but even you know, cause it's like kind of a, I don't know, it's more detailed, but like, you, you kind of look at the root touch-up generation, okay? Um, although that is me. But um, <laughs> um, like the, we'll say just like the older generation. They do. They look at it as like 
like when you raise your prices, they're just like, wait, why? You know? And it's like, well, it's a business. I had um, a client that's been with me for a long time. Um, still with me. See her tomorrow, actually. Um, I was talking about how I was branching out into teaching hairstylists. And she said, you should, um, you should teach about, um, like grandfathering clients in if they've been with you a long time. And I, I cut like, like, um, their prices would stay the same because they stuck with you. (laughs) And I, I, in the nicest way possible, I was like, well, I actually teach against that (laughs) because your business will never grow. I mean, especially if you're a stylist that are retaining people, you know, you retain everybody and then you raise your prices. It doesn't mm-hmm. fucking matter because there's nobody new that's going to pay them. <laughs> like, yeah. Did you say to her, oh, do you not like getting a pay rise at work? I did not. Because <laughs> I do. If she, that would be, yeah, exactly. I don't think people even think about it. No. You know? I don't and think I, they realize how you get a pay rise. I don't think people realize how expensive it is. You know, no. whether you, when I was working in a commission salon, people didn't even know that I only took a cut of what they paid. Mm-hmm. They didn't understand that. I was like, mm-hmm. yeah, I like it this much. And they're like, oh, I'm like, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> did you think I just take your cash and run away? And the Yeah. And the boss just like, lets me use all his stuff. Yeah, exactly. exactly. He's fine with it. He doesn't cost him much to be in this really trendy area. Yeah. It's fine. But it's interesting. <laughs> I just, I mean... People just don't know. Nobody knows I, the hairstylist like life like we do, and I don't think anyone can. No, and I think that's what I'm really well. What I the feedback that I get a lot on my training is, oh, we like it because you understand us. Yeah, you're not just coming in here lecturing us about mindfulness, which I don't do at all, actually. But you know, just all that sort of oh, meditate, or you know, just that very generic sort of training around mental health. I just don't do that. It's so honed down to hairdressers, right. specifically into very specific hairdressing problems that if you describe them to your friends, they don't even understand. Right. They're just like, is that a thing? And you're like, this is a thing in hairdressing. Yeah. You know, that niche with the problems and the main feedback I get is, oh, we like it because you get us. You yes. really understand. And I think you're going to get that the same, you know? Well, you're relatable. You understand. Thank you. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Me and, but that's what we want because again, if you were just, if you never did hair and you were just a therapist trying to talk to us, yeah, it wouldn't make sense to us because you don't no. get it, you know, but because you are doing both, you get it. Yeah. And I think this, like when I was shopping around for a business coach as well, what I was finding was none of them understood the hairdressing world. Right. This was the main thing I was finding. I was spending a lot of time educating them on how hairdressing works. And they were just like, oh. Yeah. And, and then their advice didn't quite work, you know. And obviously, Elizabeth fills that for me and you. You know, she understands and um, obviously is a hairdresser and that works well. But I see how that's working well for me. Right. Is that, you know, I'm the therapist or the coach to hairdressers and only hairdressers because that's what I know inside out. Right. Exactly. I can't talk to plumbers. So I don't know anything about I them. don't want to. That's my, my thing. Like, <laughs> no, I, want, I don't. Yeah. I wanted to. And, the re- know, that was going to say, the reason I came back to hairdressing eventually was because I like hairdressers. Right. Yeah. That's the main reason. I like being in the staff room, you know, and now I work alone now. But 
I, when I when I do my education, I'm out in salons. I love it, and I always go and look in the staff rooms. I want to see what's happening in there, and right. I want to see what they're like. You know, I love a messy staff room. I like being around hairdressers, and I get to do that with my education now. You know, I like to go in the I like to go in the staff rooms and talk to the juniors and do all that stuff I used to do. But I also like leaving. <laughs> yeah. Well, let me ask you this. You know, the the break room has always the break room has a bad reputation. If you, you know, the break room, they say that's where all, you know, that's where the stylists go to talk about the owner or the stylists go to talk (laughs) about the clients or, you know, it's like the gossip area. And I've seen a lot of education say like, get out of the break room. But Mm. I disagree sometimes. Like, I think if you're with the right team, the break room is kind of where you're getting that extra push or that help or, you know. I also, I like the we call it the staff room. Mm -hmm. I like the staff room for letting off steam as well. I've worked in salons where that was very discouraged. You know, you couldn't just walk into the back and be like, oh God, she was a nightmare. Like, Just have your moment because your client was difficult and move on. There would be this panic when you said stuff like that. And I just think, no, you're human. You have to have somewhere to go to say, she was hard and then just move on yeah and you can move on so I love the staff room you know I think it's good for all sorts of stuff and I think it is a supportive environment when someone goes yes she seemed hard but you did well right exactly and then you can let it go but when that side of hairdressing is stifled where we all have to pretend everything's perfect and that we're not affected I don't think this serves us well right I think that sort of thing contributed to me leaving yeah, because I, I just couldn't be honest and go, that was hard. Right. Why have I got to pretend it wasn't? Right. Or just going in the back sometimes and be like, that didn't turn out the way I wanted it to, you know? Yeah. And someone going, oh, but it yeah, was pretty or, it was or nice. yeah, I could have been a little lighter. What did you whatever. do? What were you looking for? You know, and right. I missed that actually about working alone. I have a couple of colorists actually that I message sometimes and I'm like, I'm thinking about doing this. What do you think? And I miss that mixing, you know, in the dispensary, yes. chatting with another colorist. And I'm like, I might do this and this. And I miss that stuff. But yeah. Yeah. Mm, well, that's like why, that's room. why I called my podcast Backroom Beauty Talks. Cause it's, I was just you know, thinking about that. it's like the positive back room, you know, that's, yeah. I just wanted to create a positive environment mm-hmm. where there's no competition because it's funny how, and I don't know how it is there. I feel like it's getting better here. Um, but especially in commission salons, it felt mm-hmm. competitive for other salons, like salon versus salon. Yes. But inside mm-hmm. a salon, it doesn't feel as competitive when you're working next to a stylist. So what's the difference? Yeah. You know, like why even? It's so weird. I mean, I remember when I started hairdressing when I was a junior and we used to get like fake phone calls from the salon down the road. Really? Honest to God, like doing things like making appointments and then not turning up for them, you know, and then also just ringing to see how much you, because you didn't have the internet then. Right. You know, you couldn't find out the prices of other people. So people used to ring round to find out your prices. And my old boss saying, went and got blowouts at salons to see yeah. how they how they did and didn't say that she owned a salon. <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't have to do that anymore. You just stalk their Instagram. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but how weird that like, you know, but exactly that. I remember this style. I've not thought about this for years. 
but yeah there was like this real rivalry with the salon down mm -hmm. the road and they were trying to sabotage the business like have you got nothing better to do yeah How weird are people for when i at 2014 or 15 maybe 15 i don't know it doesn't matter um i went to a um business of balayage class Mm -hmm. And that was the first class that I went to that wasn't brought into my salon. Yeah. So it was the first class that I went to where everyone in the class was from a different place. Mm. And that was, yeah, that was 14 years into my career. I don't know what year it was. Um, and that's kind of nuts. Cause now I like seek out that, like I specifically want, yeah. you know, um, classes where I can meet other people mm -hmm. and network. But so I'm glad that shift is happening as well. Yeah, one of the things that really uh, drew me to Elizabeth Bay actually was the community she was building. I had my eye on her for a couple of years. I was just following her and I was loving what she was doing. Uh, I follow the Americans, I call you the Americans. I follow the Americans a lot um, because I like the attitude around mental health. It's much more open in America. Yeah. Uh, and I just sort of see that in the community that she's building. As yes. well, there's a little undercurrent of wellness and community and just happiness. She's trying to promote that with it and lose the competition. And you know, she's about supporting each other. And I was really drawn to that. Um, I just are we going to see you at Hair Love next year? Oh my god, I'm putting it on my manifestation list. <laughs> I was just thinking about it today, and I was like, I don't want to go to a virtual one because I want to see you guys. No, in you want to come. You want to come. I want to come. Like if I'm going to spend the money and drag myself to Utah, which is pretty far. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I want to see you all in person and have yes. a drink, you know? Um, I mean, maybe one of the little masterminds. I was thinking you could meet me in Europe. <laughs> well, the Bali one, we don't know when that one's gotten postponed yet, but I'm going to that one uh, too. Oh yeah. She yeah. did one in Morocco and I was like, that's not far. Yeah. That's not far for me. Yeah, I'll tell Probably you what though, it's is. absolutely worth it. Oh, honestly, it was so funny. I, I even messaged a few people on Instagram and I was like, I see you went to hell of what was it like? I yeah. messaged loads of people and everyone was like, amazing. Yeah. And what people were saying to me was they like, they said they went for the hair skills and it had not came away. Oh, they were like, she, that was the least of it. She could they literally, like an she could have zero educators and I would go every year because honestly, <laughs> I feel like the educators bring you there, but the community keeps you there for sure. Yeah. For sure, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I, um, I so want to make it, but it has to be in person. Yeah, it just does. So yeah. it's on my list. It we'll is. Start saving the dollars. <laughs> what is I'll it? I'll get your spreadsheet and I'll put it on. Twenty-seven, twenty-seven dollars and forty-seven cents a day adds up to ten thousand dollars a year. Ah. So if you just start putting aside, you know, your twenty-seven dollars, then you can go and have spending money. <laughs> yeah. I Just don't know saying. when it's gonna when's it gonna be? Like uh, 20, August. 20 of next year. Mm -hmm. August twenty two. Yep. And that's yep. gonna be the one in Utah. August twenty one is in Utah. Oh yeah, what day is it? Yeah. <laughs> what day is it? Yeah. What year is it? Oh the, so the big Utah one's gonna be August twenty one. Yep. Right. And then to I'll get uh, a pot. There's another one in um Palm Springs, I think, in the mm -hmm. fall. Because that was supposed to be the 2020, you know, it's all. Okay. 
I will basically see where you lot, when you lot are going, which one, you know, you and Jordan and people go to. Um... Yeah. Well, we're definitely going to the Utah one. Oh, okay. We already bought our tickets. We should have oh, been really? there in May. Well, we should have been there in May. Ah. So, yeah. Oh, okay. Right. Um, okay. This pandemic better be over by then. <laughs> uh, do not get me started. I just want my kid to go to school. <laughs> oh yeah, um, I'll um, I'll think about. I'll I'll definitely try and make that happen. Twenty seven dollars a day. <laughs> All right, I'll so I want it. to let's get back on track because I could talk about hair love for hours. Um, burnout, burnout is a is a big mm-hmm. one for you. Um, so I know right now you're focusing on helping stylists avoid burnout, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. Or helping them get out of it. Yes. What I've noticed is as I start coaching people one-on-one, the sort of people that come to me for coaching are very smart, very driven with lots of ideas and they want to do them all at once. And so they burn out. Right. That's what happens. Yeah. Uh, That's, that's seeming to be a common thread. Um, and it's the just not being able to pace and overestimating how much you can take on and then never really finishing anything off because you burn out before you do it. Right. You know, to do something well, you've got to really be able to pace yourself and be in it for the long haul. And I think a lot of us are ideas people and we want it now, but then implementing things long term, I think it's quite hard. Yeah, you know, patience is a big fun. Is a virtue. Mm-hmm, all of <laughs> yeah. that. Um, so, yeah, burnout. I think it's absolutely rife in hairdressing. I think we're set up to burnout, you know, and I think when you exchange time for money, the chances of burnout are high. You know, yeah. the reason I burnt out was because I didn't say no to people when they were 15 minutes late because I needed the money. So I just suffered daily a little bit and then it incrementally did me in. Yeah. You know, honestly, I was laughing the other day. I'm 45 and I take an hour for dinner for the first time in my life. Yeah. What is happening? I was thinking about this the other day. Even before the pandemic, I didn't take a lunch break properly. Right. As a burnout expert, but I do. I literally take an hour a day now. It's a revelation. Yeah, I mean, I would hold my pee for like <laughs> for oh, the I'm longest like, time. We could have a we could have a like a a competition who can yeah, hold their pee the right. longest. I could easily go eight hours when I was working. Oh yeah, in a salon. Yeah. I used to at the end of the day think, oh, I've not had a wave. Oh, right, that's so weird. But I'll Thanks tell you all. now, if I have to go, I'll walk up to my client, greet them, and I will mm-hmm. straight up say, "You can go have a seat. Yeah, my chair. I'm gonna go take a, I'm gonna go take a bathroom break real quick." Like, yeah, why is that a bad? Why was that always a bad thing? Maybe I think what was different was I didn't even notice I needed a wee. Right. I think I was so in the zone of mental and busy. I didn't even notice my needs. Well, that's what I say. And the time, you know, yeah, you're just on it, on it, on it, on the hamster wheel. And it was like, uh, you know, I didn't feel hungry. I didn't need a wee. I did, but my thoughts were elsewhere. I was more concerned with other things like disappointing people and not having any money. Right, right. And I think it's about that, isn't it? It's not paying attention to yourself. Exactly. You know, your bottom of the list. Yeah. And I think that's a culture that is still very prominent in hairdressing. I think there's a generation of us who are trying to change it. But I think there's also a lot of people who don't know how to change it. I speak to salon owners and they're like, I don't know how to change this without losing loads of money. And I just think 
we could put your prices up. Well, I think that's... there's a lack of value. You know, I think hairdressing is probably in general quite a lot underpriced. Well, people don't put their get. energy, they don't put a price on their energy. They they put a price on the foil or the color yeah. or the you know and mm -hmm. they don't realize that you know some sometimes it's not worth the money like that fifteen minutes like yeah. if that client would have came in fifteen minutes every appointment I would have been stressed out every single appointment yeah. and it's just not worth it so I'd rather no. give up that client that one time mm -hmm. than to have to rush <laughs> every six weeks every time yeah. they come in. You That's know, what I used to do. Yeah, I think you've got to teach people a lesson. Right. They can't believe it when you won't see them. Right. Oh my God. <laughs> first should... time, it's quite hard, but they're never late again. But it's the repeat offenders, isn't it? Yep, it is. And you allow it. You know, like mm -hmm. we as stylists, like I, mm -hmm. I say this in, in my workshops. Um, you know, I talk about how people use this job as a hobby or they treat it like a hobby, mm. although it's their business. I was um, reading that on your Instagram. And today. the reason it's our fault. Yeah. It is our fault. You know, we don't, we look at the ticket and we go, oh, they can't afford this. And we cut that, we <sighs> discount ourselves or, yeah. you know, we don't pay attention to policies or we don't charge for an hour before no show, you know, mm -hmm. no shows or cancellations. And, mm -hmm. and then we expect people to respect our business but we're not even respecting our own business. Yeah, there's a lack of professionalness in lots of ways. And yeah. it's, not in lack, it's not in the service, it's in the general respect for your own business. Right. You know, and if you don't behave like a professional, you don't get treated like a professional. People think you're like a hairdresser that does them a favor. Right. You know, you're like the girl that does hair. You're not a business, you're just, Misty who does me a favor. Well, and I think because we are such, I mean, you know, we're friends with our clients, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm doing air quotes just because yeah. in that couple hours, even if I've never seen this person outside of the salon for that couple hours, we're best friends. <laughs> and you know what I mean? And, and that's yeah. how it feels. Yeah. So then at the end, when you're nervous about this money exchange, mm -hmm. then it turns into this weird transaction when really like you can still be like have a great conversation and still know that this, this is your business. And yeah. And what's interesting is it's very similar in therapy. Yeah. But it, there was a lot of similar things where people think therapy is a hobby as well. Right. Because, because you're just listening to someone's problems. You should be such a giving soul that you do it for free. And it's like, you must love doing hair so much that you just do it for me for free after work on a Saturday. And right. for some reason, they're similar jobs. And it's something about the looking after industries that you shouldn't charge for it. Or there's this feeling that there's something wrong about charging for it. And it's hard. And I found myself in two industries that are the same. Yeah. I think they're <laughs> But very I learned similar. about boundaries in one of them. <laughs> I think they're similar. I think they just go so hand in hand. Well, they do. And it's so weird, really. You know, I didn't see it for a long time. I mean, I know I used to listen to people talk, but when the guy that taught me to be a therapist, sorry, I dropped my microphone then. <laughs> when I spoke to the guy uh, that taught me to be a therapist and he was like, you're a hairdresser, come on in. I've trained right. loads of you and you're always good. I mean, that was so nice. And it just makes total sense because he said, you have the bedside manner. You've already figured it out. He said he trains lots of therapists 
uh, and they've got the skill, they've got the knowledge, but they don't have the people skills. He said, whereas hairdressers have all got the people skills. Well, I don't know. I know here, I don't know if it's the same over there, but um, a lot of hairdressers leave to become nurses. And I think oh. it's a similar thing where they're taking care of people. And they, like you said, they have the bedside yeah. manner, but they're also still taking care of people just in a different way. Yeah. Very oh, common. I don't hear of that here. It's I real common here, here. It's real weird to me. I would never do that. <laughs> I hear, no, I can't think of anything I'd like to do less. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, over here, people seem to go into like counseling, therapy, and social work. Yeah. So same things, similar, similar, right. similar taking care of industries. Right. It's one True, one it? feels more physical, one's more emotional. Yeah, I'm not into the physical one. <laughs> well, Haley, I feel like I could sit here and talk to you all day long. I know. Um, <laughs> so I'll come I want, back. Where can people find you? I want all the info and I want to know what you've got up your sleeve. And if you have, I, I believe you have some free guides um, that you could direct I do. To as well. Okay. So I mainly live on Instagram. That's my happy place is Instagram. So I'm the resilient hairdresser on Instagram. I'm on Facebook, um, but I don't live there as much. <laughs> is it the same? Is it the resilient hairdresser? It's the same. It's the resilient hairdresser everywhere. Um, but if people want to DM me, do it on Instagram because I don't check <laughs> Facebook that much. <laughs> I have a website that is again the resilient hairdresser, but it's uh, .co.uk because I'm in England. And um, what did you ask me? Freebies, yes. So on my Instagram bio, there's a link to, or it's on my website. There's um, a free guide, and it's called five hairdressing myths that lead to burnout and so it's a little overview of sort of what we've been talking about cultures in hairdressing and how they develop into you burning out so my hope is that people will read it and sort of be able to bring it back or avoid it nip it in the bud you know or just sort of see how it's happening um, and I will link yeah. all this in the show notes so if you're listening or driving um, you will be able to find that there her Instagram and website. And also I'll put the link to the free guide in there as well. Thank you. So yeah, up my sleeve. Wow. What we're working on together in our coaching group is, is education. So essentially what I'm working on is making my live workshops downloadable. So, uh, you know, converting it into um, a downloadable course that a sick one person can do and right. creating the same experience and the same learning curve that I do when I teach salons. So I'm working on that at the moment. I'm not entirely sure when that's going to be ready. You offer one-on-one <laughs> -on -one coaching as well, correct? But I offer one-on-one -on -one coaching. That's the main thing that's been launched recently is um, I've decided to, you know, fully go for it because I was getting requests for coaching. It wasn't so much that I decided to do it. That wasn't my original plan, but I got requests for it in lockdown and I was like yeah yeah I'll do that and now I love it and I think oh this is where I'm gonna go so I think that's actually taking over a bit now awesome I'm getting into the one-on-one -on -one coaching yeah it's funny because it's sort of similar to therapy you know I'm back in that place again but I get to talk to the sort of people I like and so it's such a brilliant sort of hybrid format I think I've totally found my happy place eventually um <laughs> <laughs> finally um so yeah i'm working on my online stuff i mean 
it'd be ready before the end of the year. Yeah, right. <laughs> so everybody stay tuned. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, Haley, thank you so much for being on Backroom back back Beauty <laughs> back Talks with me. <laughs> um, I really enjoyed this conversation and I think a lot of people, I think there's some good stuff in here. So I think a lot of people will get it as well. Um, let's say goodbye to the people. Bye. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Haley is awesome. You can find her everywhere, like she said, at The Resilient Hairdresser um, on Instagram, Facebook, and instead of .com, it's .co.uk. Um, once again, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, please leave a review. Please screenshot, share it on Instagram, all the things. Um, spread the word. And I hope everyone has a beautiful day. See you on the next one.